Welcome into Locked On Blackhawks for Tuesday, January 31st, 2019, the last Locked On Blackhawks of the decade. It's only been 64 episodes, so it's not that big of a deal. But still, it is Talk Back Tuesday, by the way. But we've got some Blackhawks news and notes to get to before we start answering all of your great questions. If you want to get in touch with the podcast, very easy to do. Send an email, LockedOnBlackhawks at gmail.com. Voicemail, 708-653-0572. You can follow the show on Twitter at LO underscore Blackhawks. While you're there, give my personal account a follow at jzawaski 670 Spelled just like it sounds, Z-A-W-A-S-K-I. There you'll see some people tagging Jay-Z, thinking it's me. Nope, I am not Jay-Z. Sorry to let you down. And there also follow the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast at Madhouse Pod. Brand new episode came out last night. James Naveau and I assigned our all-decade Blackhawks team. I think you'll enjoy that episode. Make sure you check it out. And a programming note for tomorrow, for Wednesday. There will be an episode on New Year's Day, but it will come out later in the morning. So around 11, 11.30 a.m. on Wednesday, you can expect Wednesday's version of Lockdown Blackhawks. I'm out on New Year's Eve like everybody else on Earth. The Hawks play at 8 p.m. I'm going to watch the game in the morning and do a podcast immediately following and post it then. So there will not be one at the typical 5 a.m. like there is every day. It'll come out around 10.30, 11, 11.30, somewhere in there. As soon as I sit down to record, I'll send a tweet so you know what to expect it in about an hour or so after that tweet. All right, before we get to all the great uh, questions we got for Talk Back Tuesday, a bit of news. Patrick Kane was named to his ninth All-Star team. He is the lone selection for the Blackhawks. Jonathan Taves is a candidate in the NHL's last men in fan vote. That voting starts tomorrow, Wednesday and you can go on NHL.com and fill out a ballot. You can pick four players from the list of last men in, Jonathan Taves among them. Uh, but Patrick Kane makes the all-star team. Here's a look at the all-star teams for both uh, conferences. The Blackhawks, uh, obviously, are in the Central Division. We'll start there. So Patrick Kane, Nathan McKinnon, Ryan O'Reilly from the Blues, David Perron from the Blues, Mark Shifley from the Jets, Eric Stahl from the Minnesota Wild. On defense, Roman Yossi from the Nashville Predators. Kale McCarr from the Colorado Avalanche. He will be there a lot throughout his career. Alex Petrangelo from the St. Louis Blues. The goaltenders are Ben Bishop and Connor Hellebuck from the Winnipeg Jets. When we look at the Metropolitan Division and Eastern Conference, Sebastian Ajo of the Carolina Hurricanes. Jake Gensel of the Penguins. Thomas Konechny of the Flyers. Alex Ovechkin will not play, but he was voted in. Kyle Palmieri of the Devils and Artemi Panarin of the Rangers. On defense, John Carlson of Washington, Dougie Hamilton of Carolina, and Seth Jones of the Columbus Blue Jackets. Now we move over to the Atlantic Division. Jack Eichel of the Sabres, Jonathan Huberdeau of the Panthers, Anthony Montha of the Red Wings, Austin Matthews of the Maple Leafs, Brad Marchand of the Bruins, and David Pasternak, who is the captain uh, also from Boston. On defense, Thomas Shabbat of Ottawa, Victor Hedman of Tampa, Shea Weber of Montreal, the goaltenders there, Frederick Anderson of Toronto, and Tuka Rask of the Boston Bruins. Pacific Division, Logan Couture of the Sharks, Leon Dreisettle of the Oilers, Connor McDavid of the Oilers. He will be the captain for that team. Elias Pettersson of the Canucks, Max Pacioretty of the Golden Knights, Matthew Kachuk 
of the Flames. On defense, Brent Burns of the Sharks, Drew Doughty of the Kings, Cam Fowler of the Ducks in goal, Darcy Kemper of Arizona, Mark andre Fleury of the Vegas Golden Knights. So starting tomorrow, head on over to NHL.com and get those votes in for Jonathan Taves. He, after a slow start, I don't know, there's probably more deserving people to get in the All-Star game, but he's played well. I think he deserves it. Get the Blackhawks in there. They don't have much to play for anymore the way this season's going, despite some recent success. Um, you know, I don't know. It's it's not uh, not going to be a, a very eventful season for the most part. So get some Hawks in the All-Star game. Uh, that's a way to do it. NHL.com starting Wednesday. Vote for Jonathan Taves. All right, it is game day, so we're going to do a quick, quick version of Behind Enemy Lines. Let's take a look at tonight's opponent, the Calgary Flames. I like the Flames. Always always enjoy them. They were always a team I liked. And their uniforms, when they wear those throwbacks, oh, those are nice. All right, in 41 games, the Calgary Flames are 20-16-5. They are 5-4-1 over their last 10. This game's in Calgary. The Flames are 10-6-3 at home. They have a five-point uh advantage over the Blackhawks who are uh in the sixth spot of the wild card the Hawks 17 17 and 6 for 40 points there minus 16 over their last 10 the Hawks are 5 5 and 0 on the road the Hawks are 8 8 and 3 when we look inside the statistics here we'll look like we always do over the last 10 games it's probably the best way to do it and uh, very much appreciate I forget the listener's name I apologize don't have it in front of me Suggested doing the 10-game thing instead of the whole season thing. Makes a hell of a lot of sense to me. So when you look at the Corsi 4 rating at 5-on-5, over the last 10 games, the Chicago Blackhawks and Calgary Flames are right next to each other. The Hawks 23rd with a 47.25 Corsi 4 percentage. The Calgary Flames are 24th with a 46.63 Corsi 4 percentage. When we look at the high danger chances for a percentage, Calgary 21st over the last 10 games. 48.75%, 48.75%, that's 78 high danger chances for and 82 against. And the Chicago Blackhawks are last in the NHL over the last 10 games. And this doesn't seem right, but it is. 38.32%, 64 high danger chances for, 103 against. We're like 50 of those against the Devils. It must have It must have been. Because over their last 10 games, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, the Hawks have won 1, 2, 3, for five of those games it's weird it's a weird stat let's take a look at the calgary flames leading scorers before we get to the talk back tuesday segment of the show not a ton of questions this week by the way a little disappointed not, you know a little 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 mad about it you know i'm not going to hold it against you guys i know it's a busy holiday week but uh i would like to get a few more questions just saying but let's take a look at the stats leading them in scoring in 40 games is matthew kachuk 14 goals, 20 assists for 35 points. Sean Monahan, 12 goals, 20 assists for 32 points. That's in 41 games. Elias Lindholm, great hockey name, Elias Lindholm. Love that. 16 goals, 15 assists, 31 points. Johnny Gaudreau, 10, 20, and 30 for him in 41 games. And Derek Ryan with four goals, 13 assists in 41 games. In goal, David Riddich has gotten 31 starts for them. 17-9-0 with a 2, 2.73 goals against and a .914 save percentage. Cam Talbot backs him up. He has had 10 starts. He's 3-7-0 and 0 
with a 2.73 and a .915 save percentage. Their stats are almost identical. It's crazy. 2.73 goals against on both guys, and Cam Talbot has a 100th of a point higher save percentage than David Riddich. He should be the starter. He's better. What are the Flames doing? Know what I mean? All right, that's enough. Let's get to Talk Back Tuesday here on Lockdown Blackhawks. Welcome back to Lockdown Blackhawks, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Talk Back Tuesday, and while we don't have a lot of voicemails, we did get several emails, and before I get into them individually, a lot of the emails were about the Brent Seabrook situation, so I figured instead of just reading each of them and having it be redundant, I will get to uh, and just sort of address everything at once. The main question is, do I think Brent Seabrook has played his final game as a Blackhawk? And I would say, if I had to put a percentage on my feelings, I would say I'm 65% sure he's done playing. And it would have been lower last week, but when you hear the Hawks players and the Hawks broadcasters talking about Brent Seabrook in the past tense, like, yeah, he was a really great player and, you know, he'll be missed and... You know, everything he accomplished for this team will never be forgotten and all those things like it's just kind of it sounds like the people that know kind of know that it's over. That sort of surprised me. And look, it's going to be a while that he's out. So maybe your mind just sort of takes you to, you know, okay, he's gone, even though maybe he's back next year. But like Kirby Doc, for instance, Brent's going to be remembered as a great hockey player, but an even better teammate and friend. He's not dead. <laughs> it's just so weird. Like, the way guys are talking about Brent Seabrook, and he wasn't the only one. And Pat Foley and Eddie Olchek on the broadcast were talking about him in the past tense. And, look, we're probably reading into these things a little too much. And that's what we all do, right? We all want to know what this means. What is, you know, what's the Blackhawks situation going to be next year what's it going to be three years from now four years from now and Brent Seabrook's a big part of that question but just kind of based on the way guys are talking I feel like he might be done and it's probably best for him I mean Pat Foley said he can't put his arms over his head to play catch with his son as a parent that was really tough for me to hear softball is a big part of my daughter Addie's life especially lately and if I couldn't partake in that part of her life with her, that would suck. Whatever happens, Brent Seabrook is going to take his time to make a decision. And hopefully whatever decision he makes and whatever decision his doctors and family make with him are for the best. And he's able to have a good and fulfilling life, which he deserves for everything he's given to this organization and to this fan base on the ice, off it too, but especially on the ice. Look, you're seeing two hip surgeries and a shoulder surgery things he was willing to play through for the most part. That tells you all you need to know about Brent Seabrook. All right, let's get to the first voicemail of the show, this one from Kurt. Hey, Jay. I had a question about new media and where the responsibility and line is. You know, I was listening to the JR interview on the Spittin' Chicklets podcast, and, you know, while he agreed to go on, it's, you know, it's the Howard Stern of hockey podcast, and he alone owns the responsibility of his words. They, too, could have just as easily edited out that part and the interview is still just as good. I mean, it's not a live podcast. It's not a live show. 
you know, we all love long form and I, I love the fact that you're able to add some context to a soundbite world. But is there a line? You know, what's your role as a host? Uh, just kind of curious what you kind of thought all about that. Uh, Jay, you're doing a great job. Have a great new year. Thanks for the voicemail. Really enjoy that question, Kurt. And um, this is part of my job. And for those of you that don't know, my main job, my main career is I'm an executive producer at 670 The Score in Chicago. It's Chicago's oldest and uh, most popular sports radio station, celebrating our 26th year, 28th year, whatever it is. doesn't matter. It's been a long time. Uh, coming up this week is the anniversary. And when a guest says something, that's typically a good thing for the show. And it is not the responsibility of of a radio producer or a podcast host to bail someone out of something they said. For instance, I'm just going to use an example. This didn't happen, but here's an example. If Brian Urlacher back in the 2000s came on the score and said, you know what? Jay Cutler sucks. He's not the quarterback. We expected him. We gave up too much to get him. He shouldn't be our quarterback. Had that happened, would it be our responsibility to save Brian Urlacher from his comments? No. Jeremy Roenick should not be saved from his comments either that he made about Catherine Tappan that got him suspended from NBC. On the other hand, if a guest says, you know what, I did not think when I said that, if it's something recorded, like a podcast, if a guest came to me and said, you know what, can we leave that part out? I, I, I shouldn't have said that. I didn't think it through. I was trying to be funny and it came out wrong. And in hindsight, uh, I wish I hadn't said that. Then I would I would probably help out the guest, right? Unless it's something that is, and, and this is the slippery slope, right? It's kind of a situation by situation sort of a thing. If someone said, you know, like Bobby Hull said famously, the Nazis had some good ideas. That's probably not something I would bail him out from, right? That's, I mean, come on. It's a fine line, but... The short answer of your question is, it is not on the host or producer to bail out or protect a guest from something they said on your show. If you led them there, if you baited them there, or if you got them to say something out of context and you're playing it out of context, context matters, and I don't think the things Jeremy Roenick said were taken out of context. That's basically my thought on it. It is not the host or producer's job to clean up the mistakes made by the interview subject. If he went in there, like you said, Kurt, Barstool, Spit and Chicklets is the Howard Stern of hockey podcasts. That's why it's so highly rated. That's why people love it so much. Jeremy Roenick knows going in that it's not going to be X's and O's hockey. He knows it's going to be stories about his days playing, which he's happy to tell. Anyone who's ever seen Jeremy Roenick do a public speech Knows Jeremy Roenick loves telling Jeremy Roenick stories. And look, I've said my entire career as a hockey analyst or whatever you want to call me, Jeremy Roenick, the player, is the reason I love hockey. That's the dude that made me fall in love with the game. But he knew what he was getting into. He knew the kind of questions he'd be asked, at least like within reason. You know, he, I don't think he was caught off guard by being asked if Catherine Tappan was hot or whatever the question was. He does, He's an adult. He's paid a lot of money. He's a professional. He is responsible for his comments. So I do not find it the responsibility of the producer or host to save a guest from their own words. 
It's Talk Back Tuesday here on Lockdown Blackhawks, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get to an email. Colin in Pittsburgh writes, Jeremy Cowton's reluctance to change has driven me nuts all year. Power play is awful, yet they keep sending out the same guys to do the same thing. Goalies are keyed in on the Debrinkit one-timer. They cheat to that. That's why he hasn't been successful. They're getting over in time. So do, so do something different. Murphy's been shooting better than Gus. Get him out there. I'm kind of with you on the power play thing, and I think he's been doing a better job at getting different guys out there recently, but it's almost out of necessity because there's so many injuries. But you've seen Kirby Doc out there. You've seen Bogus get a lot of power play time. But you're right. Some of the adjustments, you know, scheme-wise, have been slow to come. And look, we spent a lot of time talking about it last month where he was told to change his system or he'd be fired. That was early November when that happened. He had to be told to do it. So the only changes I've seen him make to the power play that's not been horrible. It hasn't been great, but it hasn't been horrible. They've been made because of injuries, not because of failure. After he left this email, Colin then left a voicemail. Um, I find it fascinating that when they're motivated, they're showing that they can really play well, like as seen in Colorado game and then the Columbus game. And I don't understand the New Jersey one. Um, I kind of go back to Duncan Keith saying they need to get pissed off. And my concern is that Colton never looks pissed off. He just always seems to look, oh, well, what you going to do? Um, I'd love to see somebody a little fiery behind the bench uh, getting these guys going. And I think they need that. Uh, thanks. Keep up the good work. Love the show. See ya. I do not want a coach who doesn't, that's not honest to themselves. And I don't think Jeremy Cowton is a screamer and a yeller. And I don't think Jeremy Cowton is going to scream anything at Jonathan Taves or Duncan Keith. that's going to get through to them. Uh, players these days are not motivated by screamers and yellers. And look, you mentioned Joel Quenville. Quenville never screamed and yelled at his players. He would scream and yell at officials. He would do that. But Q was a coach's coach. Players love Quenville because they could talk to him. He wasn't out of control. The word everybody used for Quenville is fair. Yeah, he looked pissed off all the time, but that's just his face. <laughs> Quenville just has an angry, cheesed-off-looking face all the time, but you never saw him get in the face of a player, berate a player. Joel Quenville never did that in his time with the Blackhawks. Referees, yes. Players, no. It's not Jeremy Cowton's personality to do that. That's a coaching hire made by Stan Bowman. If he's not getting through to the players, I don't think it's because he's not screaming at them or yelling at them. I think it's because they just don't like what they're hearing from him in whatever tone it's coming from. Let's go back to the voicemails. Let's get one here from Mark. Hi, Jay. This is Mark from Arlington Heights. Uh, I just wanted to know your thoughts on Adam Boquist's development. Uh, we, we haven't seen him putting up the points that a lot of people expected, but as I've been watching him, he's he doesn't look as out of place as I expected from a young offensive-minded defenseman. So I just want to get your thoughts on his development so far and what the Hawks should do the rest of the season with him. Have a good one. Mark, thanks for the voicemail. If you recall, early episodes of Lockdown Blackhawks and several episodes of the Madhouse podcast, even dating back to last year, speaking to people around the league, people who have played the game, Developing as a defenseman, as a young defenseman, is very difficult to do. And this is what happened with Henry Okaharu last year. Basically, from the mouth of everybody in the organization is, while he was on the ice looking like he was playing well, 
And he was. He was holding his own. But he was trying so hard just to stay afloat, just to not make mistakes, just to be good enough to stay in the good graces of his coach that he didn't play his own game. He wasn't as aggressive. Look, the Adam Boquist we saw in the preseason versus the one we're seeing in the regular season are two different players. And I have no problem with Boquist trying to be safe defensively. That makes sense, especially in a defensive core that's as banged up as the Hawks is and that still has Eric Gustafson as the primary offensive defenseman. I get not wanting to have two guys who are an absolute circus defensively. Boquist has been, for the most part, save for a moment here or there, maybe a moment a game where you say, oh boy, that could have been trouble, right? Overall, though, his defense has been better than I thought it would be, and that's encouraging. The offense will come. It's always the last thing to come in these guys' games, and when you look back at Brent Seabrook and Duncan Key's careers, their offensive numbers, and, and maybe not so much their numbers, but just their offensive game in general, came around at a later point. These guys need to develop the defensive part of the game first. You can see Adam Boquist is very committed to doing that at this moment. And yeah, his offense is suffering, but I think it's a nice exchange for the defense he's provided. I think he's been pretty good. Next email here comes from Jay. He says, as an accused defender of Cowton, I just don't see how the organization can even hope to recover from the amount of negativity their management has received over the years. Bowman is the product of nepotism and McDonough is a club's marketing stooge. Plus the continued issues the organization has experienced the past three years since Bowman announced changes in culpability after their sweep to Nashville. Unless the Hawks move large contracts this year or the next, we are looking at exactly what Detroit has been when you don't rebuild when you should. It sucks. I feel you and appreciate you. I was assaulted on my way home and had my jaw broke the night the Hawks won the glorious series against Detroit. Damn, but I'll never forget that night. First and foremost, a victory. I really just want the organization to be realistic personally and with the fans. Uh, A couple things in there. Jay, I agree with you on the Bowman thing and the McDonough thing. Stan Bowman, as bad as it looks, as he's Scotty Bowman's son, if you take the name Bowman off him, and if his name was Stan Jones, he would be perfectly qualified to be an NHL GM. He served in the organization for a long time before he got that job. He has a business degree from Notre Dame. He's a very smart guy. He is the kind of guy you'd like running your hockey team, and I think for a long time he did a good job at it. Recently, the last few years, not so great. And when you're not great for a few years, just like you could argue Joel Quenville wasn't, you got to lose your job. And I I think that's what's going to happen when this season ends. As for John McDonough, as just a marketing stooge, he's not. John McDonough is one of the most respected businessmen in sports, not just the National Hockey League, in sports. And a few years ago, there was consideration that he would be considered to be the commissioner of the NHL. Now, I think John McDonough is probably closer to retiring than taking on that job. But no, McDonough is not just a Cubs marketing stooge. He is a guy who is highly respected and is as ruthless as they come in sports. Don't let that smile fool you. John McDonough will cut your ass. (laughs) Figuratively, not literally. As for your comments about the Hawks becoming Detroit, yeah, that's what it could be. If you can't move out some of these big contracts, and it's, it's just a matter of which ones are you willing to live with. Are you willing to live with Taves and Kane and Keith? Until those contracts are done, I don't know. It's rough. It's going to be a, it's a very tough situation the Hawks are in. 
And I don't envy Stan Bowman or the next GM's job because it's going to be tough. Next one here from Bob. He says, I think a lot of people feel Bowman has been on the hot seat. And in order for changes to be made, there needs to be some change in the front office. Quenville got a, quotes pass when Crawford was out most of the season and the Hawks couldn't compete a few years ago. With all the recent injuries, do the Blackhawks use this as another free pass for Bowman and company? Not that injuries should ever be an excuse. It wouldn't be the first time the Hawks sold inflated expectations if we didn't, you know, saying if they didn't have so many injuries. That's a good point, but here's the thing. You knew Brent Seabrook was a declining defenseman when you signed him to a big deal. That's a fact. Calvin DeHaan, you traded for him despite him coming off a severe shoulder injury that got re-injured. He's out for the year again. You you took that risk. You took that gamble and lost. Andrew Shaw is a guy with a long concussion history. You traded for him. You gambled. You lost. So it's one thing if Patrick Kane got hurt or Jonathan Taves got hurt, right? These guys, Seabrook, you re-signed despite his decline in play. Sod got hurt, fine, reasonable, but Brandon Sod being in or out should not be the difference between your season. Shaw, DeHaan, you gave up assets and draft picks to acquire despite their injury history. To me, it's a different thing, and it could mean the difference between Stan Bowman retaining or losing his job. Final voicemail of Talkback Tuesday comes from JT. Hey, Jay. My name's JT. I'm from Crystal Lake, and my question's about Dylan Sakura. Uh, it feels like he's been back with the Blackhawks for a while now, and he's been a healthy scratch more often than not. Uh, I just wanted to get your thoughts on that, and uh, I'm kind of wondering if uh, they're not liking what they're seeing from him in practice or in the few games that he has played, why don't they just send him back down? Uh, thanks for all you do, and go Hawks. JT, thanks for the voicemail. Really appreciate it. Uh, it's a good point. If he's here, he should be playing. I, I don't think there's any question about that. The other night, uh, last night, actually, I talked about how I was sort of liking what I saw from John Quenville, and I wouldn't mind him playing more. But Dylan Zakira not playing hockey anywhere in the organization doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Um, I don't know if I have much faith that he's going to turn it around, that he's going to become a reliable, everyday NHL forward. He seems to be like the hockey equivalent of a 4A baseball player or puts up numbers in the minors and then comes up to the big show and just can't put it together. I mean, by this point, shouldn't a puck have hit Dylan Secure in the ass and gone in? It hasn't happened yet. It's almost impossible to fathom that Dylan Secure has played, what, like 40, 50 NHL games and has not been able to get a single puck to go in? Yeah, Secure has played 41 NHL games. If I played 41 NHL games and I got to play on a line with Jonathan Taves somehow, I would be able to get off my ass from falling down on the ice over and over again, go in front of the net and have a puck hit me and go in. I'm confident that that would have happened at least once over 41 games. And Secura got his scoring chances. There's no doubt about it. He's got 65 shots on goal in 41 NHL games. He should be a guy who's put the puck in the net before. And when you look at him and when you watch him, he seems to have all the tools you would want for a, yes, smallish, but a top six kind of forward. And he just cannot, for whatever reason, find a way to score. And until he does, 
I don't know. Maybe he's one of those guys like Dylan Strom, and of course he wasn't as high of a draft pick as Dylan Strom was, but maybe he's the kind of guy, you know, with a change of scenery, if the Hawks are looking to move a contract they don't love, like Brandon Saad, like Olimata, somebody like that, maybe they throw in a Dylan Sakura to sweeten the pot a little bit because I think that's the kind of guy who is primed for a change of scenery. All right, that's going to do it for Talk Back Tuesday here on Lockdown Blackhawks. Thank you so much for the great questions. Thanks so much for the voicemails. Actually, a couple of the voicemails came in while I was recording the show. At one point, the Google voice line started ringing, and I <laughs> had never heard it actually ring before. And I was like, what the hell is going on? Where is that coming from? Yep, I'm getting a voicemail as we speak. So thanks for getting those in last minute. Thanks for all the great contributions. Uh, like I said before, Talk Back Tuesday is my favorite show of the week. I love hearing your guys' voices and your questions because I think there's some stuff that I don't get to or I just miss. Uh, so thank you for keeping me honest. Thanks for asking those great questions. And if you want to leave a message, remember 708-653-0572 is the voicemail number. Blackhawks at gmail.com is the email address. Reminder, Wednesday, New Year's Day, tomorrow, the show will be delayed. I'm going to watch Tuesday night's game on Wednesday morning and record a podcast immediately following. I'm going to be out New Year's Eve like the rest of the world. Not going to drink. Not going to. Well, I'll probably drink a little, but I'm not going to go crazy drinking. Going to get up in the morning around nine, watch the game and record. So expect the podcast around 1130 or so, maybe noon. But there will be a podcast Wednesday, just not right away. So keep an eye out for that. But until then, thanks for listening to Lockdown Blackhawks. We are part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day have a happy and safe new year's eve hopefully the hawks can take two points from calgary tonight we could talk about a nice three-game winning streak when we talk wednesday afternoon thanks for listening have a great happy and safe new year's eve